ahead and go to the next one. With that, let's go to Why Did God Choose Gideon? This is coming out of Judges 6. There's going to be a major point here that I'll highlight a little bit later. But with the story of Gideon, it's basically there's um, an enemy, enemy, uh, enemies that are coming after Gideon, and they're the Midianites. And the Midianites are destroying all of the Israelites. The Israelites are God's people. Now, what ends up happening, once you're getting destroyed, where does God find his leaders? And what does he look for when he's looking for his leaders? And this is something a lot of us can relate to. Because when we're starting our walk with God, we don't always feel like we're the choice that God has. And that's really important to know. And that's exactly what happened with Gideon. Gideon was, if you were to think about it, it's like a threshing floor or a wine press. Gideon was behind in a place hiding from the war. So he was the one that was trying to get away from the war. He wasn't the one in the front saying, causing a revolution and a riot or whatever it is in a movement. He wasn't the one in the front. He was the one in the back. So why did God choose him? And one of the major reasons why is because he was poor in spirit. He was still immature, but all of us are, and God knows that. None of us start out like Jesus. In fact, it even said that Jesus grew into favor with God and man. So he still grew into becoming who he was going to become, even as the Son of God once he became human. And that's the same concept that we have when we're thinking about what's happening here with Gideon and your calls as well. Now, here's a couple of things we need to think about. What made Gideon poor in spirit here that's like you? So God calls him, and he says, mighty hero of God. And he says, I'm going to choose you. So what part of Gideon is poor in spirit? And this is really important, because whatever you think makes you poor in spirit is what you're going to magnify. So that was Gideon poor in spirit because he was hiding? Was Gideon poor in spirit um, because he didn't want to fight? Or was Gideon poor in spirit because he was able to hear from God? When you're poor in spirit, you actually hear God talking. You ever act like that? I'm going to give you a really good example. How many of you have heard God talking, but you didn't do anything? A lot, right? I just heard that in Tagalog for the first, like, 30 minutes of the day. Because you were in poor in spirit. It wasn't what you were hiding from or running away from or whatever it was. The fact that you were hearing God and then responded is one of the first traits of being poor in spirit. And so now, if we're going to take it into context for your lives, you're going to hear from God every day. If you want to keep living poor in spirit, then you have to keep responding to him. How many of you know what it feels like when you hear God and you don't respond? Has anyone ever tried to do that? You hear God. He says, this is what I want you to do with your life. And you're like all fired up. You start doing it. And then I don't know who says it. Your mama, your friend, TV, whatever. Somebody tells you why. Why are you going to go do that? Why don't you just go do this? You know, I had a girlfriend before Claudia, <clears throat> seven years before her. 
And she wasn't saved, even though I guess I kind of was, but not really. And so I met her. She was a model in the Philippines. She was like a cover for like 17. She was like a billboard girl kind of girl. So I get saved. And then I talk to her. She's like German Filipina. And so when I'm talking to her, I say, hey, we got to give up this lifestyle. This ain't working. I, I got encountered by God again, and we got to give up everything that's not in the Bible. You know what she said to me? She was like, you crazy? You're slanging weed. Like, you're selling weed so I can go to nursing school. You just bought me some $300 leather boots, and you want to quit everything? And I'm like, yeah, we can't do it anymore. Like, I already, I know Jesus. I ran away from him for a while. And he's telling me we can't do this stuff. And he's like, so God talks to you now. It's like a real conversation. Like, I, I was about to propose to her. I had a ring that she actually got. And I think pawned. <laughs> Anyways, whatever. So um, just another note on her. My dad would talk to me and say, yeah, I really like Claudia. I didn't like that last girlfriend. I would always see her in Las Vegas with some other dude. And I'm like, and you never told me because of what? <laughs> like, my dad would always see my girlfriend in Las Vegas with some other dude. I don't know. So anyways, we both cheat on each other, and that's just our life. So we're going through this whole thing, and she says, oh, okay, so you hear God now. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. God talks to us. And she, guess what she asked me? Guess what she asked me? She said this. She said, okay, why don't you ask God if dinosaurs are real? And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. Because <laughs> she's my girlfriend, you know what I mean? So I'm like, you know, you talk to your girlfriend. So, I'm like, okay, I'm going to ask God if dinosaurs are real. And then I say, yeah, he says dinosaurs are real. You know what she does? She falls in her face in revival. No, she doesn't. She laughs at me and go dates the other guy. And that, that's my first intro to following God, that you're going to get warfare with it. God told me, to me, he told me at the age of 18, I'm going to make you a preacher. And then I didn't respond. For three years, I went back to selling cocaine and dating a bunch of girlfriends and all that stuff. And so for that three-year period, I never responded. How much do you think I liked my life when I didn't respond? Have you guys ever been in a position where you're not responding to God? How much of that life did you like? You know, I, I was thinking about it this morning. There's no amount of women that would ever replace who I have right now. Now, I need to tell you that. Because sometimes dudes think you need to sleep with so many girls before you get married. But I tell you, I slept with many girls. You know what I want to do? Forget them. Because I feel so ashamed that this is who God said was for me, and I wasted it on so many other people. There are so many sins in our life when we don't respond to God. And none of them, when you follow God, will ever fulfill what God ever given you. None of them. There's not one sin in my life I wish I had more of now, now that I truly found freedom. And this is what I wanted to share with Gideon. He's in a place where he wasn't responding to God, and now is the turning point. Which for many of you, that's your turning point. It could be right now, or it could have been a little bit before, or whatever it is. It's your turning point. And you have to ask yourself, you're hearing from God now, 
I want to keep responding to him. You have to come to a conviction in your life that you don't like sin. You might be tempted by it because that's what sin is. It's what you like with your body and stuff like that. But you have to come to a place in your life where if you've never really experienced, right now you guys, uh, you might, for some of you, you might be experiencing God in a different way. If you want more of that, then you got to keep rejecting sin. How many of you have ever tasted sin before? You guys ever sinned before? How many of you have ever was like, I'm going to go watch pornography? How many of you are like, oh, I'm going to go date somebody and sleep around? How many of you are like, oh, I'm going to go think about this dude with a six-pack for the next five years? Oh, I'm going to go stalk this one guy on Facebook or a girl on Facebook and see what they like eating for bulaga or whatever. How many of y'all did that? How many of y'all liked it? When you went home, when you went to sleep and you knew that you watched porn for like five hours, how many of you felt good about yourself? How many of you, after you stalked a girl or a boy on the internet for like 15 years or whatever, you look back at your life and you're like, you know what? I like being a stalker. You don't like it, right? You got to come to that conviction that you don't like it. How many of you have ever had a lot of money? More than maybe nothing, right? You ever get like a big present or something and then all of a sudden your money's gone? And how do you feel when you just spend all your money? You're like, wow, I just got a lot of money. Now I just lost it. How do you like that feeling? You don't like it? Some people, when they join missions, they start getting, you know, donations. You can get like a 25,000 peso donation, 50,000 peso donation, 100,000 peso donation. One day for like what? And then how fast will it be gone? Boom. And then guess what comes up? You got to buy a load. You got to go pay your bills. Where do your 100,000 pesos go? How do you feel after you just spent it? There's not one sin, you can correct me if you're wrong, if I'm wrong, that once you tasted the glory of God, there's not one sin you really enjoyed. You have to come to that conclusion for you to really take the next step. That's called the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is I love what God loves and I hate what God hates. And I'll tell you right now as a married man, if I could go back to my 20-year-olds when I was sleeping around, Every single day. One time I, I could have like three women in a day. Just rotating them. Different phones, different lifestyles, whatever it is. There's not one time in my life where I wish I would ever be that, that person again. Because the, the pleasure that God gives me with faithfulness and purity to my wife and my family can't come close to immorality. I look back at my lifestyle of immorality, it gets me sick to my gut. I look at my lifestyle of faithfulness with Claudia, and I get happy. I get joyful. I'm like, I want to have more kids. And that's what you want to have. And so let's go ahead and move forward a little bit and see what does Gideon do. He moves forward. He's hiding from the Lord. God calls him his destiny. He says, mighty hero, I will use you to crush the Midianites. Some of you already heard something like that. You might not even have told it to your small group. You may have not told it to your staff. But somewhere in your life, God said something about you. And you might be holding it. And that's like, whatever. You know, at one point, he'll just, it'll just come. You're going to be talking about it more. So 
there's a, there's a process that happens, which I think some of you may have had gone through already. Gideon is looking at his life, and he's asking, if you're here to save us from the Midianites, why have you abandoned us? And these are, these are real emotions in the Bible when we talk to God. You know, I felt like in my life, I look at some of my friends, I was in the honors program. When I was in 11th grade, I was in trigonometry. And so I was already in college-level courses when I entered high school. And I was all, with all my friends, guess what my friends did when I joined a gang? They joined NASA. They joined the Department of Defense. I asked my buddy, what are you doing now? He said, oh, I'm working with the Department of Defense. I was sent there by NASA. And I'm like, oh, cool, what are you doing with them? And he's like, well, after college, um, I tried to do nuclear physics, but I realized it was too hard. So now he did some other physics. I don't even know what it is. I think it was like micro, macro physics or whatever. And so anyways, he's like, well, right now we're just trying to, we're analyzing waves in a way we can measure it so that we can create them. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that sounds like you get paid a lot of money. <laughs> so like, I'm like, well, you sound really smart. He's like, what are you up to now? Well, since I left the gang, I'm trying to finish high school. I'm like 20 now. I should have been done with high school. Now I'm back learning how to divide because I jacked up my brain so much I could barely read. It's like, oh, well, don't worry. You're really good at English. One day you'll get there. And then through that process, some of you can relate to this. I would always ask God as a 20-year-old, why did you abandon me? Why did you give somebody a better life and me my life? Why did my sister give me shabu when I was 12 years old and other kids didn't get it? Why was I molested at six years old by my babysitter by some old Filipino man in America? Why did I get trained by a bunch of killers and gangs? And I got so much anger in me, the only thing I know how to do is just rip it out. Why do I have this life and somebody else has that life? And you might be in that position. You, you can look at somebody else's life and you can say, I wish I was that person. Until I, it finally, and I wasn't poor in spirit at the time. That's why I went back to cocaine. That's why I went back to selling after I, I got saved. And then I, finally, when I started selling cocaine again, this is when I came back to Jesus, I looked at it, and then I looked at my life selling cocaine, and I got sick of it. I finally had a conscience. And I was selling it, and I, but I sold it because there was this one time I had pasta, right? Pasta is very cheap. And then I, it spilled on the ground. And all my pasta spilled on the ground like a dollar. That's like nothing here. That's like nothing in America. I spilled it and I started crying. Because I was like, I'm so broke. That's my food for the whole week. And I can't pick it up from the ground. And I'm like, I used to make hundreds of dollars in an hour selling drugs. And now I'm working 40 hours a week going to college and I'm still broke. And you started selling cocaine. And then I opened up my fridge in a month. One of my friends got locked up. And none of my friends dropped out of nursing because I started selling cocaine to all my friends. I opened up the fridge packed with food. So much food in my fridge, it was almost coming out. I had to like push in the bread, the expensive bread. You know, the bread like Ezekiel bread that's like 700 pesos or something for like a slice of bread or something. Like real expensive meats and all this stuff. Pushed it all back in and I almost vomited. Because I looked at, there was a guy I was discipling. 
And then he ended up in jail because I started selling cocaine to him. And I looked at it and I was like, I can't do this anymore. And then I opened up, I pulled out my bed, opened up where all my cocaine was, and it just, whoosh, came right at me. You ever give up a sin and then the devil's like, why don't you just binge it? You ever do that? Right before you give up a sin, the devil's like, binge it. And I'm like, right when it hits you, cocaine's like powder. You got to wear gloves. When it comes into your face, you feel it. You're like, whoo. You ain't got no gas mask or whatever unless you're doing that. And then I take it, and I just sense the Holy Spirit come on me. And he says, just flush it. Just flush it. And I just took it, and then I put it to the toilet and just flushed it. And then right when I flushed it, it never came back. And when you hear God, you got to respond to him. And in that moment of my life, that's when I stopped asking God, why did you abandon me? God finally told me. He said, Tommy, I know your life. I know where you've been through. I know what you've done to get where you are today. You know, if I look at my whole life and my friends when I was 20 years old, what do I got to show for myself? I'm back in high school. You know, I was sitting in drop-fail class. I had a 4.0 GPA. That's straight A's. When I joined a gang, went straight to straight F's because I had like 20, 30 absences. I sat down and dropped fail class. You know how fast I finished the curriculum of a high school student? It was like one week. I just sat there and was like, boom, 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 boom. And I sat there, and I'm now 20 years old, and I'm redoing college. I'm redoing high school. And if you looked at me on paper as a 20-year-old, what do I got to show for myself? I can't read. I got to learn how to multiply again. I got to redo my general education. I got to start from scratch. And I hated it. And then I, you know, God told me, he looked at me as a 20-year-old and he said, Tommy, I see what you gave up for me. Like I saw that you gave up your gang. I saw that you gave up demonio. I saw that you gave up you know, my gang leader, you gave up cocaine, you gave up your addictions. You even said, I'll go back to college. I see everything that you're doing now. And if you give up everything for me, I will put you where you need to be. And he said, everything you lost, I will redeem. Everything you lost, but you got to follow me. And at that point, I said, then just do whatever you want. And he said, I could do whatever I want with you if you just gave up girls. I was like, crap. <laughs> I might have even said something else at that point. Because, you know, you're at that point, you're like, man, I just gave him cocaine. I just gave him all this crazy stuff. Like, man, I'm a saint. I'm about to go to church. And he's like, give up girls a lot. What? That's like the one thing I want to keep. Cocaine's like cocaine. That's like illegal, God. Girls ain't illegal. They ain't illegal. It's illegal. He's all like, he said, you really want to follow me and you really want me to get you past all this, you got to give me the girls. And I was like, oh, schmack. Hey, you know what? It's like Gideon. But you're finally at that place where you're poor in spirit. And you know what my number one conversation was with my pastors and my mentors for seven years? You know what the one conversation was? And how glorious Jesus is. No, it wasn't. I'm joking. It's about this girl I like. It's about this girl I like, 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 about this girl I like. One time I talked to my, talked to my mentor. He said, how you doing? Oh, great. There's this girl I like. He's like, oh, really? Next, next two weeks later, yo, what's up with you? 
uh, there's this girl I like. The same one? No, no, no. This one's more spiritual. Oh, this one worships better. Oh, this one reads the Bible more. Oh, this one looks cool. I never knew what they look like when they do that, but I saw it with her. Oh, seven years. But you know what I did in those seven years was I responded to God. He said, don't date them. Don't flirt with them. Don't talk about them. Don't tell them, oh, you got a nice shirt. Where did you get that shirt? Wow, that shirt makes you look so beautiful. Then let them go. They ain't going to die if you don't flirt with them. In fact, they might be able to do more with their life if you ain't flirting with them. And so for seven years, I responded that way. And for you, I don't know what it is. It could be something. But you got to respond, 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 respond. You got to take, how many thoughts do I have about girls? You know, they say, they say, man, think about sex every three seconds. I'm like, what the crap? What kind of dude is that? And then I did the, this would be at 21, right? I read that statistic and I was like, we got perfect things about sex every three seconds. I'm thinking about, ooh, thinking about, ooh. Dang, that is three seconds. It's real. That's what I'm talking to you girls. It's like, you got to know this stuff. Some girls are like, I'm thinking about my scarf. I'm thinking about that speaker. I'm thinking about this. You know what dude's thinking about? That girl, that girl, that girl, that girl, that girl. That's what they're thinking about, especially if they come from my lifestyle. And so how many thoughts did I have to take captive for me to live in purity? Uh, for every three seconds. Might not even be the same girl, might be a different girl. But that's what it cost. And then now I got Claudia. And I'm telling you, I would never replace her for anybody. Anything. I look at the call of God in our life, and I look at Claudia, and I'm like, I look at her and I say, sweet honey, sweet honey, baby Jesus. No, I don't say that. <laughs> I just say, I look at her. I was with my back, and then we were driving, and I was just like this. Like, just straight up, don't touch me, I'm going to break. Like that, and then I looked at Claudia. She's like training, directing, doing all this crazy stuff. Got two kids. We don't have anyone helping us. And I look at Claudia, I'm like, hey, Claudia. She's like driving four hours. And she's like, yeah? And I'm like, you know, when I said that, you're the only one I could have done my call with. And we're the only ones that would be able to do it with Jesus. She's like, yeah? I looked there, I said, God was right. And I went over there, I said, I got to take a nap. My back's about to break. It's true. But it, it took that warfare. Gideon tears down Baal's altars. Now, here's the point. It says here, the first thing that God did with Gideon was tell him to, no, 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 this is page five, was tell him to tear down his father's altars. Judges 6.25, tear down Baal's altar and chop down Asherah's fertility pool. And it says right before that, take your father's best seven-year pool, the prime one, and tear down your father's Baal altar. Okay, the sin you guys fight against isn't just your sin. You're fighting the legacy of sin in your lifestyle. Just because you got a Christian family doesn't mean you don't got no sin in your life. And you got to know that. So where's the first place that God said go and attack? He said, take down your father's altar to pagan gods. The next one, he said, tear down the fertility pole. The fertility pole is basically where everything comes out of. 
your children, which is also your legacy, and it's also the fertility of the land. That's your money. Because they have livestock. And they have farming and all that stuff. And so they would judge people's rich uh, money by how much livestock they had. And he said, tear down that pole also. And so in your life, you have to ask yourself, Did I, am I carrying a sin that was given to me by my parents? By my parents' parents. By my parents' 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 parents. One of the sins, I'll tell you this, I'll be real honest with you guys, because we're already honest. In fact, I might unzip and show you my bill bill. Got my bill bill bulletproof vest on, got my back about to fall out. All right, got into a huge fight with Claudia. Told some of, some of the staff this. Huge fight with Claudia. We look all good and stuff. She looks better than me, whatever. So like, we get into this huge fight. Her mama lives here for like two months. Crap. You know what I mean? She speaks Spanish. She don't speak English. I'm like, I know less Spanish than Tagalog. And then I'm like, talking with her, we just get into giant fights. And we got no staff. Just me and her. We went to Cebu after a campaign with like 200,000 people, moved over to uh, Taguig City, found a place to live. I had to buy a car. And then Claudia's going to give birth in two months. So just imagine how much stress you got. Your wife, she's this big. That's how Rema, that's how Rema worked with her. She's like this big. So she's huge. She's about to pop. She's walking like, like this all, all the time. And then we get into giant fights. You know the Sermon on the Mount? We're doing the opposite. We're doing the mountain and the tire. We're not doing nothing. We ain't doing nothing godly at this point. And then I get Ariella. She's finally born. I'm going to tell you this real fast. I put her down on the bed, and I tell Claudia, I'm about to go to Los Angeles. I tell her that. I thought, I'm out of here. I don't want to deal with you. I don't want to deal with your family. I'll come back, Whatever. I just about to bounce, just about to leave everything. I put her right on the bed because I'm not connected to her. I don't have a dad. I, I didn't grow up with my dad. So I don't know how your dad's supposed to. My dad called me brother. And now it's better. But then he's still trying to figure out. First time I hugged him, he was like this. And then I was like, because I got saved. So anyways, I still pushed it. Things worked out. So I put him down. The baby's more attached to the mom and Claudia's mom. Because I'm don't, I don't, not washing her. I'm not changing her diapers. I'm not holding her. I'm not doing nothing. So I'm like, whatever. Baby don't care about me. I don't even know how to connect to the baby. I'm just being honest with you. I don't know what to give as a man when you got a baby. Because I, I wasn't raised like that. I'm not that dude that raised everyone's kids. So I, I, put the, I put Ariella on the bed. And guess what she does? She looks right at me. And right when I'm about to step away. Like, you know, you, you ever look at someone you engage with their eyes? What if I look at you and I just... Not engaged, right? What if I look at you and I'm like, right? That's what happened. I was looking at Ariella. I put her on the bed and then I disengaged. I'm about to leave. I'm about to pack my bags and get out of here. Right when I disengage, she starts reaching for me with her eyes in her hands. And I'm like, what the crap? And then she looks at me and then the Holy Spirit tells me, don't do the same thing your dad did. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, is God still with me? I'm like, I did not know he's still kicking in here. And so I look at Claudia, I'm like, listen, I'm not going to go, but I'm going to stay here. I just walk away. <laughs> and then there's other, 
Because my dad, he was alive, but he was disengaged. So he wasn't with me. You know what I mean? Even now, he can't talk to me. You know, he can't look at me. It's weird. Like too much intimacy or something like that. It's too much. Too much for him. He can't look at me. So he's like that. He's disengaged. With me and Claudia, there's times in the beginning of our marriage, we just get in a lot of fights. And you know me, I'm very humble. So we never, they don't last that long. So like, anyways, so I'm talking with her. We're getting into this huge fight. And guess, who's guess whose job it is to always say sorry? The guy. That's servant leadership. Guess what I did that one night for a couple of nights? Did not say sorry. Did one week. One week. One week. That's it. One week. I was just like, you know what, Claudia? Whatever. I'm just going to go do whatever and just go over here. And then next day, you're just working. She's like, you want some shake? I'm like, yeah. Just doing your work. Just doing your job. You're just living, right? Finally gets to the day, I don't want to sleep on the bed. I want to sleep outside. I want to be next to her. So I go outside, then I lay down. You know what God says? He says, don't do what your dad did. And guess what I did? I slept there anyways. <laughs> I guess who woke up? Claudia put a blanket over me. And then you know what I told Claudia when I woke up? I said, Claudia, I'm sorry. There's a lot of stuff I'm going through right now. And, you know, I didn't mean to get mad at you and blah, 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 you know, all that stuff. But it's real. You will fight with what your parents showed you or did not show you. And that's one of the first places you will get attacked. It's one of the most open areas of your life. The first place before God brings you to your calling is going to be dealing with the sin of your family. And um, why don't you guys just close your eyes right now. And Holy Spirit, I ask that right now you would just reveal to us, God, anything, any family sin that is inside of our life, God. Abandonment, disengagement, a loss of connection, immorality, sin, womanizing, addictions to alcohol, addictions to cigarette. God, I ask that you would just lay it out the way that you laid it out with Gideon, God. And you would show us, just as you showed me time after time again, that you are with me and you are able to set me free, God. And so, Lord, I ask that you would, that you would reveal to everybody right now. So just listen to the still, small voice of God and allow him to talk to you. You're going to get memories that come up to you. You're going to get not someone telling you, but you're going to get the Holy Spirit revealing to you. That's how your mom act. That's how your dad act. That's how, that's how your family acts. And he's going to reveal to you the sin that was passed down to you. But he's not going to reveal it to you so you can condemn your mom or your dad. He's going to reveal it to you so you can respond in righteousness and be set free. And that your children's children would live in that freedom. When I got saved, the first thing the Lord told me, I got saved and then that was the weekend my parents got a divorce. And I knew for the rest of my life, my parents would never ever be with me as a disciple of Jesus. And the Lord told me, together, united I mean. And the Lord told me, I will be your dad. I will teach you how to become a man. I will teach you how to become a father. I will teach you how to be a good steward. 
I will do everything that you want to be as long as you follow me. And the Lord has the same promise for you. He will teach you everything you feel like God is telling you to do if you just stay poor in spirit with him. When, you, when you're sensing sins coming up, sometimes you can feel how you feel when you're in a specific memory. And you don't have to run away from the emotion, but what you want to do is you want to ask God, how do you feel about this situation? And you want to, you want to have the same emotion that God has towards the situation that might have broken you. And you want to transform your emotions to that. Some of you, you might be having situations you're trying to wrestle with right now. And you're wondering why it happened. And then you'll ask God, why did this happen? And God will show you how it should have happened with his wisdom. If they followed me, if they prayed, if they dealt with these things, this is what they should have done. And now he's going to challenge you to do them. But one of the first things of breaking out of these generational things is confessing them. And you don't want to be in a place where you're not confessing anything and you have sin constantly curling up on you. My first step in getting over being a womanizer was confessing the fact that I had the sin. My first step in getting rid of immorality and addiction to pornography was confessing with other brothers around me and saying, I have this sin, I want to get rid of it. And when you confess it, that's when it starts changing in your life. And whenever you confess something, real confession comes with repentance. And so just allow the Holy Spirit to reveal things to you that you want to get rid of. And then just confess them and just repent of them. I feel like for some of you right now, just repent over some of the sins you know that you're carrying from your family. And if, if you're wondering how to do it, you could do it in Tagalog. But it would look like something along the lines of, Lord, forgive me for this sin. I want, I want, then you name the sin. You say what it is, addiction to whatever, addiction to, you know, guys, girls, immorality. And Lord, I ask, I repent of it. I receive your forgiveness. And I ask, Lord, teach me how to live a lifestyle in the opposite spirit. And just let him talk to you. And for some of you, you might have a lot of baggage. So you got to do a lot more talks. <laughs> But that's just the way it is. It also says this. Those who have been forgiven much, love much. And when we know how much God has forgiven us, it only gives us that much more power to love other people. I feel like for some of you, you may not be explosive like me. So you're like, man, I never slow on cocaine and try to shoot somebody. But then it's still a sin if you even are, if you're hiding it in yourself, if you become disconnected to God, if you be, if you run away in fear and cowardiceness, and you internalize things, that's still a sin. And even some of you, your anger may not shoot out of you immediately, but it might come in depression. It might come in passivity. It might come in being numb. And God also wants you to deal with those hidden sins that only you know. And for some of you, these sins are coming out in your body. And he wants you to deal with them.